before he's born. In fact, actually, he, he predicts things in the coming 100 years that, that are uncanny. He names a general in, in the Persian army by name 100 years before. And, and regarding Jesus, he gives us a handful of great passages. But the ones I wanted to share this morning are, uh, or this evening, I'm going to do that for the rest of the day. Um, in Isaiah 7, um, he predicts, he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and, and will call him Emmanuel. Um, Emmanuel is, is this Hebrew word. It means God is with us. And, and literally, so what Isaiah is predicting, he says, listen, God himself is going to give you this, this sign that he's on your side, that he's going to deliver you. Um, he's going to make this virgin have a baby. And, and you'll call him God is with you. Um, and that is literally who Jesus was. Jesus was God in flesh. He was God stepping into our world and living the life that we live and facing the temptations we face and then um, dying for our sins. And, and so like in Job, there's a line where Job accuses God. He loses everything he has. He's angry at God. And he says, God, do you have eyes of flesh that you can see what I'm going through? And God answers with Jesus. God is with us, with Emmanuel. Um, and he sees what we're going through. Um, and ultimately, the, the other thing I wanted to share from Isaiah is from 52, uh, chapter 52. He says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they have understood. Um, what Isaiah is talking about there is, and this is kind of, you know, we celebrate Jesus' birth, and Jesus' birth is a huge deal. But it's a huge deal because it's the beginning of God's plan to redeem us from our own sins. Like when I rebel against him, when I screw up, when I fail to be who I'm supposed to be, when I, when I pick the wrong thing, um, I'm forgiven because Jesus takes punishment for me. And he's high and lifted up. He's, he's literally lifted up on the cross for my sake. And so as we continue to worship, um, understand, like, if we were to stand here and just go through the Old Testament predictions about Jesus, um, about his life, about his death, about his birth, the whole nine yards in details, there would be 600 different passages we'd have to look at. And because he just, you know, over and over again in the Bible, it's predicted. And so as we continue to worship, like, let's remember, this baby who was born, he was born like to die for our sins. So let's continue to worship and remember like Christmas is about our redemption.
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. And he, said, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is one of those passages um, um, I wanted to read out simply and I wanted to talk about simply and I wanted to make it clear like like exactly how big of a moment this probably was for Mary. Um, Mary was in all likelihood 14 or 15 years old. She was a very young lady. And all of a sudden, um, an angel approaches her. And I don't know about you guys, but an angel shows up in my bedroom and, you know, I'm about, <laughs> I'm about two seconds away from the heart stopping. And, and the angel goes on and he says, you're going to have a baby. And she says, whoa, wait a minute, not married, you know, a virgin. Like, I, I know how this works. I shouldn't be pregnant. And the angel, like, like, assures her of these great things that are coming. Now, here's why this is a big deal and why this is probably terrifying for her. For a young woman in first century Israel to be pregnant out of wedlock was terrifying. Like, she could be killed for it. Um, she could be like cast away from her soon-to-be husband. She could be um, stuck in her parents' house forever, and every teenager knows that that's a fate worse than death. Um, like there are these, these moments of terror that almost certainly set upon her, like in addition to the fact that there was an angel in her house. <laughs> I mean, this, this great miracle like shows up, and this, this young lady, I mean, couldn't help but be scared. Um, and the angel assures her over and over again of the great things that her child will accomplish, that he'll be called the Son of the Most High, that, that, um, that he'll be, um, you know, that he'll sit on the throne of his father David, like his, his King David, way back when. Actually, if you back up um, about 800 years, a little more than that, you have um, this, this story about David where David is the second king of Israel. He's probably the best king Israel ever had. And God sits down with him. He says, you know what, David, I love you so much and I'm so like close with you that I promise you your descendant will be on the throne in, in Israel forever. Well, this is many years later and there's no king in Israel that's, that's Jewish at all, much less a descendant of David, right? And the Jewish people probably were in a place where they're like, well, wait a minute, didn't God promise us what happened? Um, and ultimately what God was promising was Jesus centuries and centuries and centuries before he was even born, God promised that his son would sit on the throne in Israel forever, would, would be the pinnacle of his people's like, like pride and joy. Um, and not only that, that he would save the nations. 
um, as we celebrate today, as we, as we sing, as we worship, as we hear the word, what we're focusing on is the fact that God loves you this much, that God loved his creation this much, that even when they didn't deserve to be loved, even when we didn't deserve to be loved, he sent his only son to die for us, um, to be born. I mean, John tells us that by him everything was created, and so, like, literally, the sky was filled with stars through him. And then he was born. I don't remember being born, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't pleasant. Right? But God went through the indignity of birth and the indignity of being a baby, the indignity of learning to speak, the whole nine yards. Um, And he put all of this on this young lady. Um, Let's continue to worship and let's remember that God God has gone to extreme measures for you, out of his love for you, out of his desire to be close to you. When we say, I, I don't know how to be close to God because I can't see him, he steps into our world and stands next to us. And Mary was, was blessed to carry it. And please. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would someday walk did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child is a new believer will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby of Jesus Christ took place like the, in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, 
before they came together, she was found to be with child with the Holy Spirit. Um, This is from the book of Matthew, and it's a little different from Luke. Luke was a doctor, right? Matthew was a tax collector. So Luke was maybe a little more verbal. Um, But the other thing is that Luke um, was a man who was sent to interview and ask questions and create an account by a man named Theophilus. So he got paid to, like, write this story about Jesus. So we have a lot more detail in Luke. But Matthew is kind of neat because he gives us things that Luke doesn't. Um, Matthew was a guy who knew Jesus, who walked with him, and and who spent his life with him. Um, And and his gospel gives a little less, but he gives us a couple things that are different, and I wanted to touch on that. And so, like, Mary and Joseph, they're betrothed. That means they're not married. And in Jewish culture, what would happen is you would arrange a marriage, right? There was very little dating. It was a lot less expensive for the guy, um, but a lot more surprising when you just married somebody you barely knew. Um, and so they, they were betrothed, and she would have to wait until he was ready for the, the wedding and the ceremony and the week-long party that came with it and everything else. And then he would show up and take her home, and they would have, like, this marriage, and, and the expectation is that she wouldn't have a baby already. Everybody got it? I mean, it's a pretty reasonable expectation, like, like considering first-century expectations. I mean, they were very strict morally. And, and so, like, she's there, she's waiting, and suddenly she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So he has a contract in place to marry her. And he decides, all right, well, I'm going to back up and I'm just going to put away the contract and I'm not going to pursue it. I'm not going to shame her. I'm not going to wreck her life. I'm not going to do anything of the sort. He wasn't angry. He just made this decision. Um, And being a good guy, he, he sets out to do it. But as he considered these things, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is, that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. We read that in Isaiah just a bit ago. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until they had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So Mary, almost certainly terrified of what's going to happen when, she find, when her husband finds out, when her soon-to-be husband finds out that she's pregnant but they haven't been together, like she's saved by an angel. Um, which is kind of the cool thing about Christmas. It's kind of the cool thing about the story of the birth of Christ is that God in the background quietly shows up and talks to his people and warns them and prepares them. And eventually um, all of this takes place. The really big flashy miracles that you would expect to, to happen that people sometimes demand of God. Have you all ever been in that spot where you say, God, could you just show up and, and do this now? God, could you jump through these hoops for me? God, could you do things my way for a change? This God who steps into this world as one of us does it quietly. Um, in dreams where angels talk to God, talk to Joseph. In, in appearances where Mary meets an angel that explains to her what's going on. Um, quietly in the back rooms where nobody sees it. Um, God's entrance into the world, despite the fact that it ended up being the cornerstone of history, Um, despite the fact that it has shaped the way that nations have developed, the way that we think about life, honestly, it shapes our eternity. Um, It all happened quietly because sometimes that's God's way of doing things.
um, God acts quietly sometimes. Um, we have a song. We're not going to sing along with this one, I don't think. We're going to um, listen to this one. Standing at the manger, he saw with his own eyes the message from the angel come alive. And Joseph said, Why me? I'm just a But Joseph knew the reason love had to reach so far. And as he held the Savior in his arms, he must have thought, why I'm just a simple man of trade. Just strange way to say the word. This is 
Am I missing a verse? Whoops. Um, Luke 2, 1 to 7. Uh, you're going to have to imagine this in your head, like picture the words on the screen. I'm sorry. It's my fault. I'm in the wrong spot. Okay. It's because I get to do my own slides. Um, Luke 2, 1 to 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each in his own town. And Joseph, who went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to, the, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Um, It's kind of interesting. Jesus grew up in Nazareth, Nazareth, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Everybody with me? Um, And in fact, actually, there was a joke that people told about Nazareth. They would say, well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's a little like the West Virginia of Israel. Got it? Or Virgil. There's nothing in Virgil except the mercantile, right? Like, there's just, I mean, you think, well, is there anything even there? You blink and you drive by Loma, and, you know, Loma's bigger than Virgil. Um, this, This tiny little town that he grew up in. But God brought him. You know, and, and, and brought him by, by ways that you couldn't even, like, force, right? You couldn't plan, oh, hey, let's have this, this registration where I have to go to Bethlehem, right? But the prophets, over and over again, over the centuries, had talked about David. David was sort of this cornerstone king. He was the big guy in Israel's history. They loved him. They swore by him. And his descendant was going to be king forever. And so you have where, like, Jesus goes to the city of David. His mother goes to the city of David. Um, which would have been quite a trip, maybe 70 miles on the back of a donkey. I don't know. I've never been pregnant, but I'm guessing 70 miles in a pickup truck with bad shocks is a rough trip, you know, much less on the back of a donkey or a horse or anything of the sort. Um, They travel to this city, and he's born exactly where he was supposed to be born, Um, exactly where he was, like, it was predicted thousands of years beforehand, um, on the nose, born in exactly the right place. Um, and not only that, he wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born in a nice house. Um, he was born in, in a stable, basically. And what exactly this was is tough to guess. Um, it was probably either a cave that they kept animals in, right? Um, which if you have small children, you know that sometimes their rooms smell like that. So, you know, or um, um, large houses would have a courtyard in the middle, right? Like it would be a wall, a big square wall in the middle. There'd be a courtyard. And at night, you would bring all the animals into the courtyard, and you would stay on the second level so you didn't have to sleep by the animals, 
right? Um, and, and then so upstairs there are beds and everything else, and folks probably said, well, how about if you have that baby down there? You know, like, go downstairs. <laughs> you know, don't, don't do that where I'm sleeping. And so Jesus, the Son of God, um, him by whom all, all things were created, um, literally as he's being arrested, he said that he could call legions of angels out of the sky to protect him. Um, he he um, was worshipped by angels, you know, since the moment they were created, um, because he always was, um, is born in a barn um, and laid in, in a feeding trough um, for his first crib. Um, again, like from way up here to way down here, and and really honestly, so that God could demonstrate his love for you, so that God could demonstrate how far he would go for your sake, how, how low he would go, how far down he would step, how much he would be humiliated um, to demonstrate how, how much he loved you. Um, the Savior of the world born in a barn, sleeping in a, in a trough. Let's continue to worship. And in the same regions, out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night, an angel of the, ah, 
and in the same mess up the verse right out of the gate. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there were with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from, from them into the heavens, um, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which, is, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at, the shepherd, at what the shepherds had told them. And Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, God and, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and, it had been, and had been told to them. And at the end of eight days he was circumcised and he was called Jesus. The name given to him by the angels he was conceived, or before he was conceived in the womb. Um, this passage, and this is um, um, honestly my favorite verse in the Christmas story, and here's why. The shepherds, um, if, you, if you understand Israel, right, first century Israel, the shepherds were um, kind of low man on the totem pole. Um, they, first off, they spent time with sheep, and if you spend any time around sheep, they smell awful, right? Sheep are yucky and they're dumb, is the other thing. And so they need constant supervision. They're a little like children. You've got to watch them or they wander into things or they fall off cliffs or wolves eat them. Not that wolves eat children all that often, but I've heard stories. Um, so these shepherds were there all the time. They lived outside. They picked up a funny smell from the sheep. They, um, the other thing is they didn't go to church, right? Um, for Jewish people, you went to Sabbath. You went to synagogue, right? You went to church. And if you didn't go to church, people kind of looked down on you. And in fact, Jewish people looked so far down on shepherds that if a shepherd witnessed a murder, right, he couldn't testify about it in court. Because the assumption was if a shepherd says something, he's lying. Like, and so legally, shepherds couldn't testify in court. Um, years later, like when shepherds would die, they would bury them with a handful of wool so that they could show up to heaven with an excuse. You know, <laughs> this is what I've got. And so, like, these shepherds, the night shift, no less, like, these guys are out there, and they're watching their sheep. They smell bad. They're considered to be untrustworthy. They're kind of the low rung of the totem pole. Um, they receive the birth announcement of, like, to end all birth announcements, right? Um, angels, like, beings that stood in the very presence of God, like, lit up the sky around these men and announced the birth of Jesus, announced the birth of the Savior, and, and basically said, hey, go have a look. Um, and so Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the birth like, and life cornerstone of the history of mankind, um, was witnessed by, by the worst of the worst. Um, why did God do that? Well, I'll give you two reasons. First off, um, it's to demonstrate that no matter where you're from, no matter 
what you've done, no matter how you've gotten lost, no matter, no matter what mistakes you've made, what sins you've committed, how rotten you get, how bad you smell, um, God loves you. And Jesus came for you. Like, you cannot run far enough to get away from God's love. Um, David said that, actually, in the Psalms. He says, even if I make my bed in hell, God will come for me when the time comes. Like, God's passionate love for you is inescapable, and that's why the shepherds were picked. But here's the other reason. Now, watch this. Every year, once a year, in the temple, they would sacrifice a lamb. Um, Then this sacrifice would be for the sins of the people. Right, And it was like this symbol, like we sacrifice this land and it covers all the sins of the whole nation for a year. And, and that was like this thing they did. And they've been doing it every year since Moses, which is thousands of years beforehand, like 2,000 years beforehand, like, like they've been sacrificing this lamb. Well, the area where these shepherds were doing their watching their flock by night is the area where they would draw the sheep for the temple. And so, like, these guys who were, their job was to witness and take care of the sheep that were sacrificed for the sins of the nation, were then called in to witness the birth of the Son of God who would die for the sins of all people. Um, Because God had this all planned from the beginning of history. When we celebrate Christmas, we don't do it just for gifts or for good feelings or for family or for anything else. We do this because um, this is the moment God steps into the world to fight for us. And he fights for us by dying for us. Um, and that's something worth celebrating. It's something worth, worth worshiping him over. It's worth singing about. Um, it's worth exchanging gifts with each other to say, hey, you know what? How much I love you, how much God loves you. Um, we're going to close our service. Um, oh, or not. What's the next song? Oh, I'm sorry. My mistake. <laughs> I don't have it in the right order. Um, Let's continue to worship God together.
of y'all should have a candle. Um, if you don't have a candle, uh, you could probably raise your hand and hope somebody brings you one. Um, we usually close our service, our Christmas Eve service, with um, a candle lighting and with a song. Um, and the reason we do this is um, Isaiah made a prediction that Jesus um, quoted at the beginning of his ministry. At the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus went and he, and he went to temple, or to, not to temple, to synagogue, and he stood up and he read a passage from Isaiah. He read, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Um, what he was talking about was his life. He was talking about his ministry. He was talking about God's new light coming into the world, um, where the world was dark, um, separated from him, filled with sin, in rebellion, lost. Um, Jesus came to be this new light in the world, um, to share the gospel, to bring back um, this relationship with God that we were all meant to have. Um, we're going to close our, our service singing um, Silent Night. Um, and I'm going to light the candles of the folks in the front. And what I want you all to do, um, and maybe one or two rows back, um, and what I want you to do is I want you to share the light that you have lit with the folks around you. And the reason that we're doing that is um, God didn't step into the world and force everyone to follow him. He didn't create slaves he sought out like people who would love him and follow him and, and like submit to him and be in relationship with him. This is what he sought. Um, and it's our job to share that light. It's our job to love the folks around us. It's our job to show Jesus to the people around us. It's our job to live out that light in the lives of those we encounter and to tell folks about Jesus. And the light spreads when we do that. The world can be a very dark place. Um, we all see it all the time. We see it when when awful things are shown on the news and when our neighbors struggle and when our own lives feel hopeless and dry and empty. Um, but this light that God gives us is, is, is the cure for it all. Um, and it's our job to share it with each other. It's especially our job to share it now when it's so easy to forget that Jesus came for us this day. Let's sing. And stand up.
Um, before you put your candles out, I, uh, I wanted to close with a reading from John. Uh, this is from John chapter 1, um, when John writes, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Um, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the light coming into the world, the lighting of the candle, and this fire in our hearts, um, and darkness can't overcome it. Take it with you, share that light with the world, and spread it like a fire that'll that'll bring light and heat and warmth and life to everybody you encounter. Uh, amen. Merry Christmas.